Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. And if you want to hear more than just this highlight from the show, become a Coast Insider and you can listen to the complete program, plus recent episodes about out-of-body experiences, the scientific search for extraterrestrial life, and biblical prophecies, which may have foretold our current state of global turmoil. So head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to catch up on what you may have missed from coast to coast. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Catherine Austin Fitz with us. We'll talk with her about economic issues as well, but she's reacting right now to tonight's midterm elections. And Catherine, you were talking about the the president and the coup d'etat, basically, of how he was able to get elected. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with an anti-Hillary vote, too, don't you? Well, I think it was an anti-establishment. It was partly anti-Hillary Clinton, but partly anti-establishment. You know, it was very interesting. The Economist had an editorial a year before the, uh, the, the vote and basically said, that America has a problem if it can only produce another Bush and another Clinton to run for president. Yeah, exactly. So so I think there was a real um, uh, pushback against both the establishment. I called it a productivity backlash. Because if you look at the heartland, if you look at the 2016 election, George, you had two groups. You had Washington, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood basically against the people who do the concrete things, the heartland. So Mm -hmm. the agriculture, the oil and gas, the real estate, the construction. So it was really the people who made money on abstract assets versus the people who made money on concrete assets. And I think the the people who, who deal with the concrete, particularly the military, was basically saying, you've been destroying our productivity. And, you know, we're, we're pushing back because we need to be productive. Oddly enough, if you if you come to Tennessee where I live, or you know, I'll say Missouri where where you spend part of your time, you know, the the final straw was the micromanagement of our bathroom policies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if Washington has to micromanage how we organize our bathrooms, you know, it, it's just too much. It's too much for for productive people dealing with you know whether it's trucking or plumbing or, you know, enough. So I think there was a real backlash from the heartland, um, and it was it was people fighting for what they need to be productive and was very healthy. And uh, and part of that, of course, was the, the, the pushback against corruption. Now, Trump has promised that he's going to turn over a lot of leadership, and I think the question was, could he do it without winning both the House and Senate? We'll see what happens after the right. you know after things settle out, um, but this is going to make it much more difficult for him to turn over that leadership. Let's look at 2020. I don't see at this point a formidable candidate on the Democratic side or on the Independent side that at this at point all. could beat him. Do you? Well, what's interesting is uh, it depends on whether the Democrats go to work and try and get something done that's positive. Uh, on immigration, on infrastructure, but uh, I don't see anybody on the Democratic side. And if the Democrats put Pelosi in as speaker, it's going to help Trump in 2020, ultimately, is my guess. Now, again, it's too far away, but... uh, It's going to come up faster than you think, Catherine. Yeah. Well, obviously, the fundraising starts tomorrow. But um, I... You know, 
George, I see Trump is coming into 2020 is very strong. Now, clearly where the Republicans have hurt themselves is in the suburbs. And so if you look at the analysis, it looks like the suburbs have really delivered the House back to the Democrats. And so I think what educated people are saying is, you know, Trump is too much of a bully. They have a style problem with him. And they have a real substance issue on the health, on the health care. So if there was any uh, if there was any sort of issue that carried the the Democrats back into House leadership, I think it was health care. If the economy stays where it is right now, it's going to be a boost for him. If, on the other hand, it goes down and the stock market begins to really sink and things just don't look good as we approach the 2020 election, it could hurt him severely, don't you think? Um. It depends. I, you know, if you look at what, basically, you have you have two parallel systems trying to operate at the same time. The the people who backed Trump basically said we want to repatriate capital and rebuild North America. You know, but you also have a huge contingent on both the Republican Democrat side that say we want to keep the empire going. So so the globalists are trying to keep the global game going, while while another group with Trump in the leadership is trying to rebuild North America. And the reason I give Trump an F on the budget is you can't do both. Now, they're trying to do both, but it means you're going to drive the debt and the deficit ever higher and run into increasingly more trade balancing problems and problems rebalancing your your um, your sort of relationship with China. And so it it sounds great, and unfortunately, the you know sort of Democrats in in the House and the Republicans in the Senate, the way everybody can compromise is to agree. Well, we'll just keep both systems going, but that's again kicking the can, George. So, um, you know, and and the danger, of course, is we end up pushing for war. We just had a diplomat in Russia come out and say. Russia's preparing for war because America is planning and and working towards war. And, of course, war is the way you, you keep the game going. And that's, to me, that's the big danger here. Oh, it's a huge danger because if we go to war with Russia, you know, we've got nukes, they've got nukes, somebody's going to do something stupid. Right. And that's uh, that's right. that's dangerous. Now, Trump had said he was going to meet with Putin in Paris in, in, on November 11th with with the Democrats taking the House and promising more investigations, the question is, will he cancel? What's going on now with the Mueller probe, in your opinion? I mean, my God, when is it, when's it going to end? I, I, think, I think the Democratic strategy and using Mueller has been an, a terrible failure. Uh, it's been a terrible failure for the country. It's been a terrible failure for the Democrats. I think one of the reasons that the, the Republicans won additional seats in the Senate is that Mueller and Kavanaugh and the details behind what happened with Mueller has been very, very harmful to the Democrats at the national level. Again, they're lucky that the at the grassroots they did a great job of organizing with really good nuts and bolts candidates. But um, if you if you basically look at the the accusations of Russian involvement in the campaign and you dig through, the only thing we've seen so far has been the fact that that you know the Democrats and the FBI worked hand in glove to try and falsify mm-hmm. a case against Trump. You know, so there are real questions of criminal liabilities of the people who 
who basically proposed that. And uh, if anything, it's a huge waste of the country's time and money and very unfortunate. Are you concerned about election fraud in 2020? Very. Uh-huh. Um, I'm concerned about election fraud in 2018. I was concerned about it in 2016. Um, and this is bipartisan. It's on both sides, and we've seen it on both sides. Uh, it's easy to uh, hack. George, I just, I just think if if we're if we're going to get young people to turn out and vote, we've got to believe in the system. You know, we've had voting fraud since the beginning of the republic, but digital systems have made it much, much worse. Exactly. Exactly. Right. We've had dead and, people vote. We've had uh, you know phony ballots cast. We've had all kinds of fraud. Uh, we've had right. strong army. And I mean, uh, my gosh, John Kennedy got uh, Chicago and Illinois because of strong arm, arm tactics. Uh, you right. know, those things happen. Well, I remember I was a little kid in the stoops. You know, in the stoops of Philadelphia, the war leaders used to come with, you know, rolls of dollar bills and buy you off. <laughs> buy you off. They bought off the sheriffs in West Virginia right. who delivered the yeah. votes for Kennedy. Yeah. So this, you know, this is an old tradition. But anything we can do to return integrity to our voting systems, I think, would be extremely good for the country. I mean, the only way people will not suspect voting fraud is if there's a landslide. You know, for, for some reason, if there's a landslide, people tend to say, well, you know, you know, even if there was fraud, there wasn't that much. But if it's a close, if they're close, <laughs> if there are close races, and we've had many, uh, right. I mean, people are going to go crazy. And just a little bit of manipulation could tip. Uh, you know, you tip a few states, California, New well, York. and from, uh, I don't know if you've seen what Greg Palace is doing. Palace continues to really cover uh, voter fraud, as does yes. Paris. And there's very, you know, there's some very, very good coverage. Yeah, Bev's the best. A candidate down in Texas, Laura Presley, who's done great coverage. Um, but, you know, if you look at this campaign, 2018, George, was real trench warfare. So let me give you some numbers. In 2016, the congressional races' uh, official expenditures were $4 billion. This time around, congressional races were a 25% increase, $5.2 billion. Jeez, that's a and lot of money. It's interesting. What you see all around the world is the established leadership who's threatened, including on the Democratic side, have allies all around the world. They have a vested interest in you know, a balance of power between Republican and Democrats, and it wouldn't surprise me if some of that money found its way in. Yeah, that's a good point. Jeez. So overall, were you, with today's elections, you, you weren't surprised, you knew what was happening, um, but are you happy with it as an American? No, I'm not happy with it, and I'll tell you why. I, I, I feel as though... In the last two years, we have done a better job of bringing in more substantive issues, but it's not enough. And uh, if you look at the if you look at the effort now underway to do serious, what I would call privatization, or, aka piratization of government operations and services, or the push of the neocons to go to war with Russia. Uh, or the secrecy around the federal budget and the complete breakdown of constitutional and federal financial management laws. I think there's some very important, serious issues, and we need transparency. And uh, our elections are one of the few ways we can get 
in the room with our representatives and talk about the real issues. And I I wish there was a, a much greater transparency. Although, you know, I will say this: in the last two years, we've seen significant improvement, and I think Trump has been a change agent. And in many respects, although some of those changes are painful, I think they're very positive. Uh, I think so too. I think so too. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.